Hello Turkaholics and welcome back to Football a la Turca Season 2 Episode 7. This time you can be sure that's correct. Last week I said the same thing. It was Episode 6. Now it's Episode 7. We'll be covering the Match Day 7 results in the Turkish Super League as well as the UEFA Champions and Europa League results during the midweek. Joining me right now are Uzer Dinger straight from Chicago and of course uh, Pat Cox filling in for the man of the law Burak Sizgin. Pat you're back in the UK. We're not here with Umut, uh, he had football practice and Jakub will be jumping on the call in just a couple of minutes but we're gonna get off on a flying foot here straight away because we don't have that much time with Uzer unfortunately he only has a one hour break. Um, so guys thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Pat welcome back to the show it's been a while. Yeah it's been a few a while but uh, thanks for having me back it's always good to be here. So let's get started with the Champions League straight away. Uh, with Galatasaray, they played the group favorites, the group leaders, Paris Saint-Germain at home. And it ended up in a 1-0 defeat uh, for Galatasaray. Paris Saint-Germain winning this one with a Mauro Icardi goal in the 52nd minute. Uh, Uzra, quickly, your thoughts on the match, please. I think the lead-up to the game, there was a lot of tension in there, a lot of stress, quite frankly. Because we were all very worried that PSG were going to come to Istanbul and, and give us a good routing. And I think even the most optimistic Gala fans amongst us were, were pretty scared that that, might, that that might be the case. In reality, what happened was that we actually played a decent game. We had nice kind of passages of play in the middle of midfield. We had one or two reasonable chances. Um, the fans were in, in, in exceptional mood. There was a really good atmosphere in the stadium. And there was this general kind of like lifting towards a positive vibe from that game. Um, so to lose only 1-0 and reasonably well kind of made us think that um, maybe this is the turning of the corner and I think Terim in his post-match conference kind of alluded to that in his, in his comments um, but I think what followed the game and I, I don't want to talk too much about the game itself because I'm sure everyone has their own opinion about that but it's kind of the, the aftermath of the game people thought okay now this is we're on the up now the season is going to start now you know the war game against PSG and then in, in press the next day uh, some of the headlines, in, for example, in Fanatic said, this is a, a loss that we can be proud of. Which I thought was a bit of a ridiculous headline, because no, no team would ever be proud of losing a game. But it might be the kind of thing that, had it been reworded, had, had, they, had it said, this is a loss that we can take hope from, I thought, okay, that would have been better. But I think we jumped too far on the bandwagon of the kind of the conventional wisdom that we somehow played really well and lost unluckily. And maybe even I was guilty about that straight after the game with some of my glowing uh, tweets that immediately followed. But in the cold light of day, and particularly when you look at what happened this weekend, and we'll get onto that later, we realised that uh, I, I kind of think Galatasaray fans need to reassess that PSG game. Um, and the, in the cold light of day, you realise that we actually didn't play that well at all. I think we created one or two chances. PSG could have scored four or five goals had it not been for Muslera. Um, and Zonzi was probably our, our best performer, our best outfield performer. And generally, I think we are still firing, firing. And I suppose the positive from it is is, is Muslera because he's been on really excellent form at the start of this season. Had it not been for him, we'd be pretty much down in the doldrums all over the place. And I think so, someone wrote on Twitter that the difference between Galatasaray and Besiktas right now is Fernando Muslera. And uh, yeah, I, I fully subscribe to that. Well, I don't really agree with that. <laughs> really? No. You mean the last comment? Or, the last or, comment, or, because or, I, I don't think okay. I don't think that that there's because if you look at the goals Besiktas are conceding, 
Karius can't do anything about it. Muslera wouldn't save deflections either, because I mean that's just something. Where but yeah, but Karius, keepers... Karius had a few few serious howlers there already against against Slovan Bratislava, and that's it. He he played excellently in every other game. And that's, yes, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the that's the that's the fact that's the truth, and people are spitting this narrative of how he's how he's part of the problem, but he really isn't. I mean, yeah, he had a he had a terrible game against Bratislava. It's, that doesn't suddenly make the other seven games he played bad. He played very good in all other games. That's just that's just how it is, and and people are turning it into that. But Muslera made a couple of really brilliant one-on-one -on -one saves against Paris Saint-Germain, for example. Uh, again against against Cherbourg, he made one or two key saves. Uh, Karius is making those saves too. If you look at the match against Alanya, if you even look at Ga the Gaziantep sport, it ended three-two. But he made like four one-on-one -on -one saves or something in that match. But that's stuff that doesn't get get noticed because you lose that match by by three to two. You lose the game, so it doesn't get like, pointed out. Well, 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 well. That's the thing. As as in, Muslera is is kind of single-handedly um, winning us points. Yeah, but you 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 don't Harris have a... is being defined by his howlers, which is which is which is which is, which is his problem. Um, yeah, but if you have one, if you have one mistake, that shouldn't define the several other games you played. Uh, pl that's my point I'm making. You don't have uh, Marcao taking a red card and giving away a penalty in the sixth minutes in an away game because I don't think that Muslera would salvage something there either if that happened. I don't. I, you don't see uh, the two first goals you can see in an, a tough away game against Trabzonspor being being deflections. The goalkeeper can do nothing about. But remember that in, our, in the first three weeks of the league, we had three red cards, mm -hmm. and and, and, you, um, and you lost in Denizli. We, we, we lost, we lost, we lost the yeah, we lost the Denizli game. Mm -hmm. um, but Mustera helped us salvage points in the other two. Yeah, but didn't you score in those games beforehand? You have to um, maybe in the context of the game, as in no, I, I don't, I don't want to create necessarily a debate about Karius versus Mustera. Um, well, I'm, obviously, Muslera is, 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 is the better goalkeeper, but I don't agree with this narrative of the difference right now is is, is Muslera because Besiktas have a lot more problems than Galatasaray have. I don't think you guys are conceding oh, stupid right. goals constantly. If you look at the goals Besiktas yeah, are conceding well, to, to, compared to the goals you guys are conceding, it's 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 it's, it's a different world. Like Bishish basically, a guy, the ball could deflect off of a guy's ass and, and drop in the goal <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. That's what kind of what the situation Bishish are in. The, well, yeah, and the problem the problem that we have is that we we don't even have the possibility of the ball deflecting off someone someone's ass and going in for us. We can't even score goals. <laughs> yeah, but you had in the early weeks you had like the the first two goals Babel scores were both luck well lucky were both deflections that 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 yeah. got you a goal and, and you had luck on your side a little bit there Bistesh haven't up until now spoiler alert um but yeah i, I don't agree with that narrative uh, of course Muslera has been saving points for Galtry year in year out um, as for this match, I really felt like Terium kind of agreed with the fans uh, in, in the sense of uh, being afraid of losing big time because if you looked at the lineup, it was a very defensive lineup. If you also looked at the match, they played with a lot of people behind the ball. Trying, I, I, I yep. just had the feeling that they were trying to uh, limit the damage. 
Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah, you had that one really good shot by, I think it was Lemina, that could have gone in in the first half, but that was such an individualistic effort. And then you yeah. had that one opportunity for Falcao, I think, but then I think Di Maria himself had like four chances or something. And I think it's just a, a matter of if you can, if you manage to keep that goal off in the first half, then it's not going to escalate that much. And I, I didn't feel like... Uh, I, I felt like PSG was playing a decent match, but they weren't very efficient. Although, of course, yeah. Icardi, I think he had like his first ball, touch of the game and it was a goal. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, the, 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 first, the, the incident you've heard in the first half, I think it was Seri who had the shot, but I agree with you. It was all kind of individual oh, yeah, moments yeah. that, that kind of gave Galatasaray the spark. And I think generally that's become the theme of our performance this, this yeah, year in all competitions. Too, we don't have a plan. It just feels yeah. like you guys are relying on some individualistic uh, brilliance. And, and I, I feel like the same thing goes for Bishiktesh, by the way. And mm. there's a resemblance there. I think Bishiktesh, last yeah. se the last seasons under Shinal Gunesh, were relying far too much on individualistic brilliance rather than team effort. Um, I'm just trying to create a team in there, but if the results don't go your way, uh, head start hanging. Yeah, it's difficult, um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's move over to the Europa League and straight away with Besiktas because they also lost 1-0 at home against Wolverhampton Wanderers. The goal here coming in the third minute of stoppage time for the second match day in a row for Besiktas. They lose the match in the third minute of stoppage time. The same thing happened in, in Bratislava. Um, I felt like it wasn't deserved here. I think Besiktas could have gotten at least, should have gotten at least a point here. They probably should have won. They basically dominated this match for 18 minutes. In the last 10 or so minutes, um, Wolves really started getting a couple of uh, dangerous opportunities. They even had a goal disallowed for offside a couple of minutes before. Adama Traore was causing a lot of problems on the right once he came on the pitch. He also went on and scored a, a brace against uh, Manchester City in Manchester this weekend. So... Uh, they were definitely uh, saving him, it seemed like. I think he came all around to 65th minute or something. But up until the 80th minute or so, Bishnesh were really in control, but they were basically decapitated up top. They didn't have a proper striker. Burak Yilmaz was being spared for this match, rested not even in the squad. Um, Nukuru was, was sick with a migraine, didn't play. Diaby had uh, some uh, indigestion problems apparently. So three players that played a key role in uh, the weekend's match weren't uh, here. And I think Bishtesh have had a problem throughout the season where they struggle scoring goals. Um, and, and that was definitely the, the case here too, where I think they got a couple of half chances. They dominated possession and all that, but no real clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities, which has been the problem for the, the, the majority of, of the season so far. And a one loss against Wolves. Um, flattering win for Wolves, I would say. But on the other hand, uh, Besiktas really had to win this match after the Slovan debacle, um, and they couldn't do that. Um, I don't know if Jakub's been uh, on, is on the call already. Jakub, are you here? Yeah, I joined just uh, just like just a second ago. Okay, well, welcome on the show, then, Jakub. Let's quickly move over to Trabzonspor, then, because Trabzonspor were also in action against uh, FC Basel in the Europa League, and that match ended in a two-two draw. Goals here coming from Silvan Widmer, putting Basel one 0 ahead in the 20th minute, but Abdul Kadir Parmak scored a screamer six minutes later to make it one-one. Jose Sosa seemed to uh, snatch the win 
in the 78th minute for Trabzonspor, making it 2-1. But Noah Okafor equalized just two minutes later, and the points were divided amongst the two. Basel, of course, now have four. Trabzon have one point in the group, and I didn't mention it before, but Besiktas are on zero points still in their group. Galatasaray are on one point in their group after two matches. So, uh, tr quickly, your thoughts on this match, please. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, before the group stage began. Um, I was always afraid that uh, Basel was supposed to be the strongest team in the group. Um, you know, with the, with their last result against Krasnodar, I was really afraid. But um, I, I really did like the play. Um, the coach, you know, Karaman didn't play uh, the regular starters um, Sosa, Wakaim, and Pereira. And although that showed, I didn't think that um, that it was. Too big of a of a uh, quality difference between between the two teams. Um, I didn't like I didn't like Doan Erdogan. Doan Erdogan had a really bad game in my opinion. Audijaj also, but um, Obi Mikel just keeps getting better and better. Um, the goal for me was just like an unbelievable moment because I before this game I watched the Besiktas game and that even that wasn't you know the fun the most fun game for me but uh, still catch me salsa. <laughs> <laughs> watch that game. <laughs> I, yeah, mean, I, I said we dominated for 80 minutes, but it was really hard to watch. To be fair. Yeah, it was like, you know, it, it, I, I watched it because I was with a friend of mine at this point. So, you know, yes, it, your, infamous, that, your yeah. infamous friend. Uh, already, yeah. I think everyone on the show already is uh, familiar with uh, your Besiktas <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's the only reason why I why I keep up with Besiktas. But um, yeah, the game, the game was great. Um, unfortunately, not not a great result. Uh, two two before the game started, you could probably think that two two was should be a good result for us. But there was, if you if, if you watch the game, there was maybe a little bit more in, the, in it. Um, yeah, we're still we're still looking for a win. Uh, I think pretty much every Turkish team in the Europa League is looking for a win. Let's hope that it comes, you know, uh, in the next in the next round. Yeah, I watched Basel twice against PSV. I I, I went to the the home game and then I watched the the return leg uh, live. Uh, on TV and uh, the thing what always uh, stood out to me is that they're not a particularly great team in the sense that I, I think that uh, Trabzonspor probably can, could dominate them and we saw that here I think but they are so efficient they are an incredibly efficient team especially against PSV they really showcase that they, they need like only a couple of chances and they'll, and, and, and they'll yeah they'll score two goals at least uh, they're, they're a very good side in that regard, I think, and uh, Trabzon could have gotten more here and that's kind of a recurring team, I think, on, on this match day in Europe, where Besiktas should have at least gotten a point. Trabzonspor could maybe have won it. Um, and then the next one, Basakci here taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach, the leaders in the Bundesliga right now, mind you. Um, they had lost on the opening match day, very surprisingly, to Wolfsburger. 0-4, but uh, they came back now and they got a point in Istanbul with a at-a-time goal as well. Goals here coming from Idin Vizca in the 56th minute, seemingly uh, clinching a win for Besiktas up until the dying moments. But in the first minute of stoppage time, Patrick Hermann made it 1-1 and dashed Besiktas' dreams. That would have been a great result against its a very strong side, of course. But again. Our coefficient points suffer because we can't get the job done. Our Turkish clubs can't get the job done. Uh, Başakşehir here, I felt like could have definitely uh, won this match. Probably should have won this match, but yeah, another late uh, late equalizer. But yeah, what can you say? These teams that, that that the Turkish clubs are playing in Europe right now, I think 
all uh, active clubs in Europe got a really tough draw. They're playing against very uh, qual very good quality sides. Uh, if you look at uh, what Wolf, uh, Wolverhampton pulls off this weekend in, in the Premier League, and if you look at Borussia Mönchengladbach's standing in, uh, in in their own league right now in the Bundesliga, and of course, like I said, Basel already knocked out PSV in the, cha in the, in the Champions League qualifiers and such. So these are not teams to be underestimated. But let's move on to the Super League results. On Friday, we had Malatya Sport trashing Denizli Sport 5 to 1. Adis Jahovic was the star of the night with four goals, two of those coming from the penalty spot in the 28th and the 61st minute right in between Donald Mitchell had already scored the second for Malatya Spor so it was 3-0 in the by the 61st minute and Hugo Rodallega managed to pull one back for Denizli Spor in the 65th minute but just four minutes later Adis Jahovic scored again and then in the 90th minute he added a fort to his tally. Very impressive night for Jahovic and a very good win for Malatya Spor 5-1 against Nizli Spor. Jakob is going to tell us a little bit more about this match. Well, before before I uh, start with this match, I, I, I recently started like a football manager league where I'm um, managing Nizli Spor. So this one hurts a little bit more for me today. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a nice goal from Rodega just to you know have the have have the good points for Denis Despor out of it, but otherwise it was really, really a trashing. You know, um, Jovic has been has been a good striker for a couple of years now, and he's always shown that he's a player to be afraid of. Um, the penalties, you know, in the in the first couple of minutes, you know, they uh, they pretty much um, stopped any momentum that Denis Despor could have could have had. You know, like in the in the first half hour and after that the second goal so this was pretty much like a like like a gone game from the first half um Dennis is for not not the greatest game it's good as i said good to see rodega again having a goal um, being an extra sport player but yao which is just murdering it you know murdering it at the moment he's uh, he had he scored like four goals and he's on top of the top scorer list at the moment and um yeah, Yenimata Malak as far is probably the team that a lot of uh, a lot of teams, you know, uh, brush to the side as that they might not be the best team because they're like the ninth at the moment. But um, they showed that um, they have they have a couple of players that are really, you know, uh, really good and wants to be reckoned with. With um, <clears throat> with Sergian at uh, with Sergian at the helm, it's just you know, it's, it's a team to be really afraid of. Um, good win for uh, for Malatya, and um, uh, normally, you know, uh, with, with with big results, there might be there might be a uh, a small chance for um, for the losing team if you watch the game to you know to declare that maybe the score shouldn't have been that high. But uh, now that this this one had Malatya's score written over it like from the start, so bad game for Denizli, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it is what it is. What did you think of the two penalties? Were they uh, were they correct calls in your opinion? Yeah, the first one I, I didn't immediately see the first one. Um, it might it might seem a little bit uh, you know uh, a little bit harsh, but yeah, he, he did have an arm around the guy's neck and uh, and the ref went back and looked at it with the VAR. So um, if he sees it at the VAR and he still thinks it's a penalty, you know it you, you have to agree with the, you have to just um, agree with the ref then you know yeah. so. Um, the first one, he, he did have a, like a arm on his uh, on his throat, um, but uh, yeah, it, it, some some could have said that it was uh, maybe a little bit too uh, um, 
not, not a penalty worthy. And uh, the second one, yeah, the keeper comes out. He he does hit the ball at first. So I I I wouldn't have given a penalty for that one to be honest. But I, I'm not a man of the law. I don't know the rules that 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 way as, as you guys do. So I may I might be wrong, but the the, the, the second one shouldn't have been a penalty. The main event on Friday was Fenerbahce Antalya Spor, and that match ended in a surprising 1-0 win for Antalya Spor. Uh, the only goal of the match here coming in the 6th minute through Ufuk Akiol, he had already scored last week as well. Um, and yeah, Fenerbahce were unable to find an equalizer in the remaining uh, yeah, 90 or so minutes of the match with at a time uh, and all that factored in. Disappointing evening for Fenerbahce. Um, and Pat is, of course, here to tell us a little bit more on this match. Yeah, so I think, as I was saying to um, to you guys before we started recording, um, I just can't quite understand the selection policy of uh, Air Sunyanal, uh, where he you know, once again played a defensive midfielder in uh, Jailson as centre-back, when, when on the bench we had both <clears throat> Seda Aziz and... Sadiq Chipanash. The first goal was quite a clear sort of misunderstanding with the defence, whereby the Antalya guy just uh, got straight through one-on-one -on -one and it was a relatively straightforward finish. And this is another example where I, I just don't quite understand why when we've got two, at least two, two specific centre-backs, why we're still playing Jailson, who I just assumed would still be a you know, replacement for when we we didn't have any other centre-backs really available. And we paid the price again. Moving forward, yeah, we had a couple more chances. I think um, classic Fenerbahce, we had a, a number of penalty shouts as well. Um, there was one where it uh, hit the hand, sorry, it looked like it hit the hand of the defender, but sort of on closer inspection for me, it sort of hit his um, hip rather than his, his hand despite the protestations of the Fenerbahce player. Uh, another talking point was the potential uh, red card for Mariki, where he looks like he goes for the shin of the uh, Antalya Sport player. Um, again, I, it was something that I had to sort of look over and over, because when you see things on social media, you can never quite tell if that's the, the full um, the story, really. But for me, it looked more like his own foot clipped the foot of the Antalya Sport defender and then went into the shin rather than it being kind of like a high tackle, which you know, obviously would have warranted a, a yellow, if not a red card. I think this is more just a bit of bad luck rather than anything too malicious. Uh, there was one later on, which I guess if it had been a first yellow card, that would have been a, a second yellow and off, which I think was a bit more deliberate where he kind of stamped on the foot a little bit again probably wasn't malicious but these things happen and you you know you've got to see a card when you get there uh Fenerbahce were unlucky there are a couple of sort of again like i said penalty shouts uh the one that was the clearest for me was the the free kick towards the end of the game where it did look like it came off the arm of uh, the uh antalya sport player there but again a famous story of Fenerbahce is just for me, it's just selfishness where Kruse could have pulled it back to, I believe, uh, Muriki only to kind of hit it straight at the Antalya Sport keeper. Um, where again, you know, a quick pass could have been an equaliser to then break the deadlock, really, because 
with such an early goal, I think Antalya Sports did probably the or ultimately worked out as the the winning tactic by just sitting back and soaking up possession. Um, I was looking at the stats, which again don't really surprise me. Seventy six percent percent possession for Fenerbahce, but only six shots on target compared to Antalya Sports five. So the remaining nineteen shots that Fenerbahce made were all off target. Another game where we, we just didn't score, and I think um, despite a good start to the season, it's, it's these small games that slowly uh, add up, really. And I think, um, you know, if this is a tactic other teams are going to see and think, all we need to do is sit back, soak up the possession, maybe catch them on the counter-attack, then it, it could um, it could be a, quite an important factor in the, the championship race, really. So it's, I think we're a bit unlucky, but at the end of the day, if you're not going to create those sorts of shots on target chances, then you can't really expect uh, to overturn a sort of you know early one nil deficit. Let's talk about those uh, penalty possessions. Let's talk about uh, the Vedat Muric position. I think that's the main thing. So um, first and foremost, my question, uh, Uzar, what did you think of those two penalty positions? The the one shot for the handball. Uh, in the first half, and then uh, late on in the match, uh, the handball uh, for the free kick that got blocked. Yeah, the handballs, well, the two handball situations were kind of 50-50. I think you, you've definitely seen them given before. But in terms of the biggest talking point for the game, I'd say that was the, the Vedat Muric tackle, because it looked like he went in pretty hard. Um, it was like one and a half, two, kind of a one and a half foot tackle rather than two foot tackle. But most of the time, that, that that's that's going to be a red card. So I'm surprised that 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 he didn't see anything there. I think I'm not. He he doesn't seem like the kind of player who'd like go in for a, for a malicious leg breaking tackle. But nonetheless, it was a really bad challenge, and he should have probably been given the red card for that. Yeah, um, Jakub, what did you think of uh, Muric's tackle? Um, I I didn't watch the game, but I I saw the I saw the position. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I know that people think that because he went for the ball, it shouldn't be a red. But in my opinion, it pretty much was a red. Yeah, I, I think the going for the ball part is not really. I mean, that's what what we had a couple of weeks ago with Nkudu, right? I mean, he went for the mm. ball too and stepped on a guy's ankle. Uh, didn't get a red, got a yellow. Uh, then we had uh, I think it was Limseri. He yeah, was, his foot was right. quite a bit higher, but still, uh, also going yeah. for, for the ball. I mean, if if you're going for the ball and you end up breaking the guy's leg, you can't. Yeah. I mean, you can't get away with it. That's the in, the intent of going for the ball shouldn't be enough to let to let you off. Yeah. If it's well, a bad tackle, at, at it's the a very bad least, tackle. I think this was a yellow card. I think it was a reckless challenge, not necessarily a red. I don't think it's a clear error, and that's probably why VAR didn't come in. Because I, I kind of see, I can follow Patrick Pat's logic in the sense that I do think that he he didn't come in with a high foot. He came in going for the ball, and there is you can see when you slow it down and you look at the replay, you can see that his foot kind of shoots up. I don't know if he if he hits the ball and that's the reason, or if it's off the foot of the of the guy of the, the Antalya Sports defender. So I can see why VAR didn't intervene here. Probably not a clear error. But I could have definitely seen a red here too. It's kind of similar to the the, the Nunkudu uh, card a couple of weeks ago, where I think if, if if there's a red card there, nobody will will think will look twice, will complain. And I think it's the same thing here. If there's a red card here, nobody will complain really. 
but at the very least a yellow card. I, I was kind of baffled by that, the fact that it wasn't a yellow card. And then you do have, of course, that second position a couple of minutes later where he does step on a, on a player's foot. So I think he definitely should have gotten sent off in this match with, with two yellows or with a direct red, possibly. Uh, as for the penalty, yeah, I agree that. Yeah, as for the penalty positions, I think the first one, uh, I, I don't know whether it hit his arm or, or his, his, his leg, like you say, Pat, Pat. Uh, but I think it was actually outside the box because um, he, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was like kind of right on the line and I, I think his, his arm was actually over the line. So even if it, if it did hit his arm, I don't think it's a penalty because it would be a, a free kick and that's probably why VAR didn't uh, intervene there. And then later, the, the final one, I just think that arm is so close to his body and he's turning he's jumping and it's like it's too close to his body um, and it's not above his shoulder height or anything like that he's not sticking it out he's just yeah going chicken wing <laughs> and he's not like making a move for the ball either so for me that would have been a very harsh penalty so I don't I don't even think it's a 50-50 for me that's just not a penalty um, Jakub what do you think about uh, the penalty positions did you manage to catch those? I unfortunately didn't, so I, I, I won't say anything. Okay, well maybe we can get uh, Burak's opinion on it uh, in a separate <laughs> recording and I'll insert it. <laughs> or maybe he can just uh, uh, let us know on, on Twitter or something what he thought of the positions. I'm very curious what our man of the law thinks of it. But an unfortunate... Uh, I'm going TRT Spore uh, on, on, on us here, but an unfortunate defeat for Fenerbahce, not for us, but for Fenerbahce. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, they, they came off a good result last week in the derby, a draw, that's probably what they wanted there. They were on schedule, and this kind of puts a stick in their wheel. Um, not a good result, unexpected defeat at home against a tough side, Antalya Sport are not an easy team to beat, uh, and I think I said it last week, there just aren't any easy teams to beat right now, okay, Fener had that runaway win against Gaziantep in, in the first week or so, but, you know, circumstances, three penalties within 20 minutes, I'm not saying they weren't penalties, they were penalties, so you can't say anything about that really, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, if a match starts like that, you know, if you get two early goals, you're probably going to run away with it against teams that are planning to sit back and maybe try and hit you on the counter because that shatters their game plan. But um, yeah, no, Antalya Sports game plan worked out here and, and they uh, they got a, an impressive win away at, at Kadikwe. Let's move over to Saturday. Um, Kastim Pasha taking on Kayseri Sport. Oh, sorry, Konya Spore, and it's going to be again a match for Pat. I'm quickly going to run over the scoring procedure here. In the 28th minute, Omer Ali Shiner put Konya Spore 1-0 up. Uh, the goal was initially disallowed, but VAR uh, rectified that, and it was allowed. There was no offside there. Then, crazy couple of minutes, because Vesel Sara equalized in the 45th minute for Kasim Pasha, but then... Oh, no, actually, that's not that's not right. I think Faruk Mia made it 2-0, then Marko Jevtovic made it 3-0, all in uh, at a time. And then Vesel Sara got the 1-3. I think PN uh, Sports had it wrong here, because that's how... Uh, they had listed the scoring procedure. Um, but basically, 1-3 at halftime. And then finally, there was another penalty in uh, the 63rd minute. Farouk Mia took that one and made it 1-4. And I think that Marko Jevtovic had initially missed the penalty. But uh, goalkeeper Fatih Öztürk was off his line too quickly. So um, then it had to be retaken. And Farouk Mia took that. Actually, I'm not sure. But I think that might be a rules violation. 
because I think if a penalty has to be retaken, the same guy has to shoot it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that might be a rules violation. Anyway, um, yeah, Pat, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Um, obviously, five goals there, and like you say, a, a very exciting few minutes there just before half time. Um, I think when also looking at some of the other games as well, it, it really comes down a lot um, for these the, the goals to luck, really, just in terms of where the ball seems to be falling um, if the goalkeeper doesn't manage to pick it up. Uh, because at least two of these goals in the Konya Sport were ones where, you know, it just fell beautifully for uh, Konya Sport to go ahead and uh, score the goal, really, um, which could have changed a lot of results. Obviously, it uh, balls have gone in different directions from the keepers. Um, so, yeah, the, the first one obviously fell very well for Amir Ali. Uh, I think uh, Farouk Mia was it, well, maybe it wasn't the goalkeeper, but it was sort of a, a bit of a, what do you call it? Um, sort of banged around a little bit and fell perfectly to his feet and scored the goal. Uh, for, the, for the penalty for Mo, uh, Marco, uh, was it was a lot clearer than sort of, I think, the potential one over in the Fenerbahce match. Um, it was very obvious that it hit his hand and I don't think any any complaints there. Um, and then when there was the retake later on, it was, you know, he was miles off his line. So, you know, you can't really complain anything about that. Um... I guess when you go down 3-0 before half-time, it's quite difficult to, to carry the momentum in. I think it's probably game over for Kassim Pasha at that point, um, despite the, the goal just before half-time. And uh, Farouk Mia, again, sort of finishing off really for Konya Spor. Um, so yeah, a good result on the road for them. Yeah, they returned back to Konya with the three points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for the retake rules because I don't think you're allowed to change the taker already because essentially you're letting that same penalty be taken over it's not seen as a new penalty so i think it should be the same guy taking it but um yeah i'm not gonna be wasting time right now looking that up but we will try and find that and uh, maybe uh talk about it in um in uh on twitter or something or if you know if you are uh specialized in the efap rules and uh, you're a man of the law please let us know <laughs> that i don't have to look it up <laughs> Uh, guys, any comments? Do you ha do you have any knowledge on whether if a penalty is retaken, if uh, the taker can change? Um, and what did you guys no, think of the I've penalties? Got no, no, I've got no idea myself, but the football rules are changing so often now. I don't yeah. even know if I know the rules of football anymore, to be honest. Yeah, it's, 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 it's true. There's been an insane amount of changes the last two or three years. Um, Moving on to the next match, this is a pre-recorded segment which I recorded earlier in the day with Umut Naderi. And moving on, things are going from bad to worse for Kayseri Spore who have now lost again away at Gustepe. The match here ending Gustepe for Kayseri Spore nil. Goals here coming from Alpaslan Ustruk in the 7th minute, Sonar Aydoldo in the 43rd minute, Stefano Napoleone in the 45th and the 50th minute to make it 4-0. Um, and Zedda had also had a penalty disallowed. That was a very interesting position. And here to talk us through this match is uh, Umut Naderi. Hello there, lads. Gustave started the game with a lot of confidence uh, despite the results in the last week. In the first half, Alpas and Estuk scored a wonderful header, a flying header from a corner from Soner Aido from the new post. 
And just a few minutes later, Cameron Jerome and Mosora made a 1-2 just outside the box where Jerome found a gap to shoot it, but he hit the post at the end of it. Uh, unlucky for Cameron Jerome. And around at the 13th minute, a cross from Sonar Aydoğdu, who played really well this game, into the penalty area to Cameron Jerome resulted Cameron Jerome to be brought down by the defenders. Then Junaid Chakur gave away a penalty, but it took about uh, two or three minutes to confirm the penalty decision though, because uh, there was a probable offside situation before the attack started for the Gustape. But after the wide review, penalty was given to Gustape. And this is where the things get interesting. Uh, Sardar Gürler stepped up to take it, but at first he scored it. Uh, it was it was looking clear and all, but after the war check, goal was denied because that actually Sardar Gürler made a violation of the rule, suggesting that penalty taker must only hit the ball once while taking it. And from the footage we saw, Sardar planted foot, which is his left foot uh, at the time, got slipped while taking it and the ball uh, hit onto his left foot as he's going for the left corner, taking the penalty. And it's a really rare incident to see and strange thing to see as well, but good to see Checker and his war team handled pretty well. And after the decision, ball was given to Kaiserspor to take an indirect critique from that spot. And coming to the uh, 42nd minute of Gustave, uh, corner was cleared by Kaiser's four defenders, but Sanar Aido he did a great volley with his left foot onto the rebound, making it 2-0 for Gustave. And just two minutes after this goal, while Kaiser was looking for a goal, they lost it in a rapid Gustave counter-attack from the left wing. Sarah Gilar carried the ball for like 40 meters or so, serving it to Stefano Napoleoni, who makes it 3-0 for Gustave. And uh, after the second half, uh, Gustav again came from the left flank and a low cross gone through everybody in the area. And again, Napoleone finished it with his right foot uh, on the far post for the Gustave's fourth goal. And Kaiserspor also tried to reduce the margin with their attacks, but no luck. Uh, they hit the post at the uh, like end of the game uh, from Hassan Hussein's long shot around 18 minutes. And just around 98 minutes, Miguel Lopez fell around the edge of the box from a tackle by Halil Akpunar. At first, Junaid Chakur went for a penalty decision, uh, but again with the VAR review, it was reverted and the VAR footage said that it was outside the box where the tackle was uh, taking a hit and the decision was reverted into a free kick at the edge of the box, Attila Turan hit it, but it went straight to the wall and the game ended 4-0 for Gustave. Yeah, a couple of big VAR decisions here, but ultimately with little impact on the final scoreline. Imagine if uh, Kaiserispor get back in uh, after in the match after Serdar Gurles rules an infraction really, which was a very accidental position. Uh, definitely go out of your way to check that out. I mean, I, I don't even think that, that Chakir had noticed it. I think we've. I, I certainly can't remember ever seeing a penalty being disallowed for something like that. Um, that's one of those things that VAR brings with it that we see no, pick up on those things, on those little things. Um, if, if it's whether it's fair uh, or not, I, I think it's a little bit of a silly rule when a player slips out a little bit and it accidentally hits his foot. I mean, 
feels a little but, harsh. But, but, but the ball changes direction because he mm -hmm. was going for the left uh, corner, but uh, at the end, ball uh, went in on the center of the mm -hmm. goal. Yeah, but the goalkeeper also went to the right. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. but it was it could be the other way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, it, look, if if the penalty would go towards the direction of the goalkeeper and he would have otherwise maybe saved it. That's a different matter. It just feels a little harsh. I mean, sometimes a penalty can be really crucial, very much deserved. I mean, sometimes, you know, they, they you know, let's say uh, it's, a, it's a handball on the line and they, they rob you from a, from, a, from a scored goal, basically, and something like that happen, can, happens. Can you imagine the frustration? It's just fortunate for, for Gustepe that they ended up winning this one. And uh, for Kaiser Sport, things are going from bad to worse, as I said in the introduction. Uh, I do believe that after the match, uh, the Kaiser Sport Bashkan uh, president resigned. Um, things are looking very grim there right now. And in the past couple of weeks, we've been saying that Kaiser Sport aren't actually playing bad football. They've just gotten a couple of unfortunate results. But here, they just got walloped by Gustepe, who thus far have looked like one of the worst sides in the league. Yeah, uh, in my until this until this week. Mm -hmm. And what would you credit that to? Do you think it's the, the difference of a uh, Sonar Aydoglu, who you said played a good match, Marcio Mossoro, who was very much involved again, and Stefano Napoleone, of course, getting on the score sheet twice, and also Cedric Gurler, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he was involved in, in many of Gustepe's attacks. Yeah. yeah, he's a rapid winger, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, it makes it possible to make a, a quality counter attacks and. As for Sonorado, I think it's the incident that uh, both Mossoro, uh, Sonorado, and also Napoleone came from Bashakir and they know each other really well. They uh, played uh, years and years with each other. And uh, also uh, taking out uh, Yasin Ostekin and Eran Dardiok uh, from the field and giving chance to Cameron Jerome once again uh, is a good thing as well for Gustape. And, does well. Yeah, certainly a great result for Gustepe and Kayseri Spore now bottom of the table with still only just three points. And the main event of Saturday evening was Genshterber League Galatasaray. This match ended in a nil-nil draw. The only real highlight of this match was a red card in the 86th minute for Ahmed Oz, a second yellow card. Not really much to be said about it. I think both yellows were clear as day. Uh, and the other really other controversial position maybe was Mariano's yellow card in the 30th minute. Might have been a red card. Um, but I'm not sure. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uzerp, quickly, your thoughts on yeah. the match, your frustrations, I should say. Well, absolutely. I, I think it says a lot about the game and the start of our season that the highlight from this game, which is essentially the back-to-back -back champion of Turkey playing against the rock-bottom side, the highlight of this game is a red card in the 86th minute. There's literally nothing more to say. I, I'm, I'm struggling for analysis of this. I, I, we, our terrible form continues. We've only scored one goal in the last five games in all competitions. This is our worst start to the league season since 1989. Oh, what are we doing out there? I mean, what is Galatasaray playing? Whatever it is, it's certainly not football. And I think everyone is just pretty pissed off at what we're seeing now. Because we're seeing the same thing time and time again. And then we got, like I mentioned before, maybe a tiny bit of false hope from the PSG game because we thought we played well, even though we lost. Um, and someone has to take accountability for this now. And my thing is it's all down to Terry because we're not playing any proper football. There's no system. We can't string three passes together. 
So that's the gameplay. Then we've got the starting lineups, which are just shocking. How is Sachukin able to get into the starting lineup and wear the captain's armband? It's just totally beyond me. The guy's finished. Finito. He hasn't played football in years. I don't know how he's even able to get into the squad. We just signed uh, 12 new players over over the summer. Aside from the guys who were injured, so Seri, Seri got some food poisoning or whatever from, from food that he had the night before. Lemino is injured. Fine, fine, that's okay. Did he go out to what dinner about with Diaby like, or something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but that's not an excuse because we signed more players. We have, uh, for example, Thailand. Antalya, who we signed, who hasn't played a single minute of football yet. We've got players in the academy who are not given a chance because Celtic is given the nod ahead of them. I mean, what's the point in us spending money running the academy, having scouts and coaches for these different levels of development if they're not going to play any players? Um, why do we have to see the same crap week in, week out? We don't have, to, we shouldn't have to put up with this anymore. Um, Terim came out and tried to take some of the criticism on himself after the match by saying. Maybe I should have fielded hungry youngsters. Maybe I should drop myself a point. But it's too little too late, Terim. Why, why is it taking you seven weeks to realise this? This should have been obvious to you from week one, week two, week three at the latest. Why is Celtic and I'm playing? Why is Belhanda playing? I mean, I'm really fed up with criticising Belhanda now, but at least I'll say this. I think by now he's universally accepted as being utter trash. Before, people were like, oh, you know, Belhanda's good. He does this, he does that. We, he does nothing. I've been saying since 2017, but now finally, better late than never, everyone has realised that this guy is awful. They, he, but but it, but it highlights the the lack of uh, certainty in Terry's mind about his own squad. He takes Belhandra out to the press conference ahead of the PSG game. Two week, a week later, he's probably going to drop Belhand for the foreseeable future. At least that's what the press are reporting. So how can the guy go from sitting next to you in the press conference to being dropped from the team in one week in a matter of two games? That's all of these are, are things that are, are question marks in Terim's mind, which is it's not good. It's not a good uh, indicator for the for the for the next few months ahead. I think we're going to have to difficult. We, there was a there was a video going around on, on Twitter that went viral about someone who zoomed into Belhanda for about two minutes watching him just basically walk around looking disinterested on the pitch until he finally lost the ball, gave the ball away and then the other guys almost scored. So I think the whole Belhanda thing is, is, is done now. I don't, I don't expect him to start anytime soon. Uh, and if he does, I'll be absolutely appalled. Um, I think you mentioned about the the other potential incident in the game. I just want to touch on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariano. Because Mariano kind of pushed or punched whoever the against Billy defender is. His name escapes me now. He kind of punched him in the back in the way that kind of Hardy did against Tony Adams in the US Cup final. He punched him in the back and that was a 100% red card. I don't understand what Mariano was thinking. He's lost his mind as well. Referee should have given him a 100% red card. I would have liked to see the referee give Belhanda a red card just for being on the pitch. I would like to see the referee give uh, Ryan Babel a red card just for being so bloody wasteful. Uh, send off the whole um, Nagatomo as well, who, as everyone knows in this podcast, is one of my favourite players. I love the guy, but mm-hmm. I, he's just so out of form. He needs to be benched. Um, and in the back of my mind, there's the, kind of the, the ghost of Martin Linus, yes. who's been sidelined for all of this. His contract's been frozen. It's such a tragedy. The guy has to sit in the stand for January and watch this show. Well, um, he's he's not eligible to play until yeah, uh, January because paid, right? his license has been. Yeah, he's still being paid. Yeah, so his playing license has been frozen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and it's just a shame because that's again a huge squad uh, mistake from squad planning from Fatih Terim. 
So he's he's making errors in squad planning, in substitutions. He took off Andone um, in this game. He took off Faguli. He wasn't at all our worst player, um, and somehow managed to allow Babylon and and Belhanda to play for 90 minutes, or Belhanda to play for 90 minutes. So Terim is 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 the one is the single person that I blame for all of. And how do you think he can fix it? What what is the change within the, the squad the Galatasaray have right now? What do they need to do to be hungrier? Because I think that's the main issue and we've been seeing that since the beginning yeah. of the season and it really reminds me of the 17-18 the Besiktas side that I think everyone had pecked to win the, the league with, with both their with, you know yeah. their fingers up their noses with great ease because they had a superior squad but what we saw at the end of the day I think was uh, in the league at least we didn't see it in the Champions League because in the Champions League they were hungry I just to think uh, complacency lack of hunger the result yeah. maybe of back-to-back -back championships I think when you win those back-to-back -back championships there is always gonna have a a form of complacency is going to sneak in. Do you think that's the main issue of this team, despite the fact that they have made quite a few changes in the summer? Yeah, uh, I think that's a fair analysis. Um, I definitely see parallels with Besiktas 17 and 18. I just think that uh, this kind of saturation point that the, that the team is reached needs they need to snap out of it quickly because this is a historic opportunity for Galatasaray. Right? Because we signed 12 players over summer, we've assembled a squad worth some 136 million. Euros. There's a huge gulf on paper between Jim Bottom and the rest of the league, but that is not translating into results. It's not translating into performance or anything at all. And if that doesn't happen, that's going to be a huge. Um, if we don't, if we don't win the league, having made these investments, it's going to be a huge, huge loss, um, both psychological and financial for the club, yeah. because we have to see the results. Um, the, in terms of to, to answer your other question, what, what can Terim do? I think the only thing he can do is to shock the lineup so he needs to he needs to gut that midfield out and change the defense or at least the, the wingbacks bring on Omer bring on Schenner even to mm -hmm. swap the swap the two wingbacks definitely drop Belhanda I don't want to see his face even in, in the lineup on the team sheet bring on um, Seri, Lamina and Zonzi for that for that three when 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 they're all fit I think I assume they'll all be fit for the next game after the international break Falcao is going to be back and concentrate on supplying Falcao because the guy gets one pass and he scores, as we saw two weeks ago, even though the goal was uh, ruled offside. But we know the guy is so clinical, the guy's world class finisher. Give him the ball, supply him with the ball. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, at least not in the, play, in the area that least, it needs to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, why not play, why not experiment by playing Yunus and Thailand in, in field instead of Babel, um, who, who, who seems to be completely disinterested in wasting opportunities at right and center? So I think, I think throw in a couple of youngsters who are hungry, who want to. You want to disrupt the gameplay or Emre Moore. So Emre Moore came on with 10-15 minutes to go in the game uh, at the weekend. He made a couple of really insightful passes that could have could have started something, that could have done something. This is the guy who wasn't even in the squad against PSG. Someone who could have used his pace and his confidence and his trickery to go around players. He wasn't even in the squad. So Terim needs to 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 send to send a signal to the squad, play some, uh, give some give some youngsters their season debut and see how they perform. If we lose, then at least we we'll say, "Hey, look, we gave the youngsters a chance to play with play with uh, play with the new transfers." And no one's really gonna. You, you can't be too disappointed if that happens. But if the same squad plays week in, week out, and plays rubbish, of course you're gonna you're gonna um, you're gonna criticize the coach. What is that old old expression? Uh, insanity is repeating the same mistakes again and again and expecting different results. And Terim is very much on the verge of that point unless he fixes it up after the international break.
This is exactly how I was feeling about Shinon Ganesha the last two years or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick question. I don't remember if I talked about this with Umut uh, on the air or if we spoke about this off air. But one of the things that I uh, think is the, one of the problems for Galtzrae is in the past couple of years, they've always had a very quick winger. They had Bruma, who was insanely fast. They had Gary Rodriguez, who was really fast. And of course, last yesterday, they had Onyokuru, who was blisteringly quick. And one of the things that, that, that Besiktas fans have been saying about, for example, Okudu is he doesn't really have much of an end product yet. Uh, maybe that'll come, maybe it won't. But the least you can say is that he creates chaos um, in the opposition defense just with being as quick as he is. And I think maybe the problem, one of the problems in terms of acquisition and transfer policy is that he did get a good player in Ryan Babel. I think you guys are being a little bit harsh on him. Uh, of course, I met, witnessed him at Besiktas. I, I have also witnessed the frustration. But I think that maybe the profile was wrong in the sense that Ryan Babel isn't a slow poke by any means. But he's not a speedster either. He's not a Gary Rodriguez or especially not a Bruma or, or an Onyekuo who are just so quick. And maybe that's just one of the issues that you guys are missing. Because I, I know that Umut has been hammering home that you guys just miss speed on the wings. Uh, and maybe that's just one of the big issues where I think the only quick winger you have is Emre Moore. Uh, really quick quick but he kind of reminds me of Kerim Frey in the sense that he does have that speed but he doesn't use it enough he's just too obsessed with with dribbling his man sometimes and yeah he does have some good passes here and there but again not much of an end product and I think he needs to use his speed a little bit more and Terim seemingly doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in him right now but would you agree with that assessment that you do lack that Onyukuro Bruma type player right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think having a fast, explosive winger was, was something of a tradition that we'd built up over the years at Gala. Mm-hmm. And if you think back to um, Abdul Kayakata, for example, who was one of my favorites, mm-hmm. um, the guy was just exploding down the wings. Fans loved to see it. He could just take on anyone and win a race. And we've had that over the last few years as well. And we, we are missing that. I think just generally our whole. Uh, gameplay is so slow, so so slow, and part of that is yeah, absolutely down to the wingers because they're. I mean, you're right. Bubble isn't exactly a slow coat, but he he's a, has a very predictable style as a winger. He's not the kind of guy who's just going to pull up and down the wings. Exactly, that's the thing. And by doing that, we actually end up um, wasting a lot of the spaces to, to, at the higher end of the pitch because he kind of approaches the box and then kind of cuts in. There's a whole section of the pitch up towards the corner flag and up down the, the, the far end byline where that, that space just let, gets left unused. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we can't um, put any crosses into the box of Falcao. We can't work the ball into the box uh, either because it's because we have two very wasteful wingers. Mori is also very wasteful. So, yeah, lack of pace um, or at least lack of focus of, of, of MRS pace in, in his case. Um, but then again, he's not really playing much either. So I think we are definitely, I do definitely agree that we're missing pace and aggressiveness on the wings. And it's quite easy for a defence to, to pick out Ryan Babel because he's quite a predictable player, cutting in and shooting, like you said. Emre Moore um, doesn't have the game time and we are, we are effectively playing a very central um, central formation. But then again, we have someone like Belhander in the middle who's not doing anything. So basically, our, our midfield is, is not firing in the in all cylinders at all despite having signed all these extra players because the effectiveness of the Lamina and Zonzi and, and um, Siri isn't isn't put to good use mm-hmm. because of the players in front of them. 
Final question. Uh, should you have had sure. a penalty in uh, a 90th minute at a time? Uh, Umut seems to think uh, oh, yeah. it was a penalty on uh, Belhanda. Yeah, I think he was dragged down. If you see it in slow motion, you can see that the Genshin Ability player kind of putting his arm across Belhanda's body. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I think that, that should have been given a penalty, as a penalty, yeah. That would have been that would have been Belhanda's first positive contribution in a Galaxy's right jersey. <laughs> and should he have been sent off for his reaction because he got a yellow card and then he kept on oh, yeah. going. He, he does this. He, he, has, he has this... <laughs> I mean, the guy is, um, I think I described him as someone who's fixed on trying to sabotage Galatasaray. I think I wrote this over a year ago on Twitter. And he just, I think, remember he, when he got sent off against Fenerbahce for his uh, poor behavior uh, in last season's derby as well. The guy just doesn't have, have um, a cool head, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And the referee would, was well within his rights to, to discipline him for that, but he didn't. He showed a lot of leniency to Dimelhanda, and I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jakub, what did you think of that position? Did you think it was a penalty? Um, yeah, he got grabbed, but in my opinion, he just, you know, he, he fell too easily, you know. Um, probably wouldn't give him a penalty either, but I, I can understand why some Galatasaray fans think that it should have been a penalty. But did you think, Pat, was it a penalty? We don't have our man of the law. Who else am I supposed to ask? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it could have gone either way, really. Again, it's just one of those things that, um, mm. you know, if the ref had lent in a slightly different way or if he'd seen it from a slightly different angle, he may have called it. But uh, ultimately, no, it wasn't called. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I paused it, like, you know, stop, pause, stop, pause before the, before the broadcast, before taping. Um, I didn't. Feel like he was dragging him. I like it felt like he, yeah, his arm's definitely on there. You can't deny that. But I don't think he's actually, yeah, like, there's clear pull, contact. Though. Yeah, I, I don't think he's like pulling him down or anything. It just felt to me, it kind of looked like Belhanda feels that arm on him and he's just like, oh, I'm gonna go down because I because I fucked this position up, you know, kind of like a reaction almost. Because this is a very natural thing to do in the dying minutes and then you feel some contact and you go down. I I didn't feel like he really... It's not like he was tugging his shirt or anything. I didn't feel like he was pushing down on the shoulder. I think it would have been soft, but... Hey, if the referee gives it, keep your arms to yourself, you know, that's all you can say. Uh, Mariano, red card or not, Jakub? Yeah, I think it was a red card, but uh, I also think that... Uh, uh the player that he was battling with should have also given a red card. Should have also have been given a red card because I, if I if I don't remember it wrong, I think he he, he slapped like his 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 hand across his face, and that's why Mariano, you know, just yeah, very uncharacteristic like uh, behavior from Mariano. He's not just gonna do that, I think. Yeah. So if you if you give Mariano a red, which I think you should have, then the other player should have also given a, should have also been given a red card. I kind of felt like it. You know you have those you know when you have those headbutts where a player isn't actually headbutting but is like making a movement but he's not actually making contact and that's a red card for just making the movement apparently I kind of felt like it was like that I didn't really feel like he was really hitting him hard so I, I kind of yeah I don't know I think yellow is fine honestly I know I'm not gonna get myself uh, over with the Bishikrish and Fenerbahce fans like that but uh, I don't know I think it would have been a little harsh to send them off it was definitely an aggression and maybe that's why you should send them off but I don't really buy the fact that he was hurting it kind of felt more like a slap on the back not that that's not you're supposed to do that I, and a couple of weeks ago um, when Belhanda kicked the guy in the back um, 
I said that was a red card and I, I just feel like when you're kicking somewhere with your feet, even if it's not that very hard, it, it just comes across as so much more malicious. I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm letting uh, my personal interpretation uh, having the best of me here, but uh, I don't know, I think yellow was kind of okay. Um, let's move over to Sunday then with Sivas Sport taking on Ankara Gujud. This match ending 3-1 for Sivas Sport who are now second in the league with 12 out points out of a potential 21. Lots of points being dropped by everyone, really. Um, Dever Urgil had put Angragiju 1-0 up in the 15th minute after a huge blunder from goalkeeper Samasa. But Mert Hakan Yandash scored a brace in the 26th and the 48th minute. He equalized and put Sivaspor ahead. And then in the 90th minute, Mustafa Yatabare made it 3-1. I think we can agree on a deserved victory for Angragiju. Quickly, Pat, do you have any notes on this match? I do indeed, yeah. Uh, well, good win for uh, Sivaspor there. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, goodness knows what the uh, uh, Sport defence was thinking because it was a, a gift of a goal for Ankara Guju, to say the least. Um, Ankara uh, Guju didn't play too bad. I think they had a, a couple of chances and the possession was fairly equal. They actually had the, the more shots of 14 compared to 11. Um, very similar shots on target as well. Uh, and they, they could have had a potential penalty as well. I think there was, again, one of those things that uh, didn't go their way, but uh, may have gone if it had been a slightly different angle that the ref had seen, potentially. Um, but, yeah, two fantastic goals from uh, Sivas score. Uh, the second one was an absolute belter, I thought, and the third one was pretty good as well. Um, and, yeah, ultimately, you know, um, five shots on target, three goals, uh, and three points. Yeah, Mert Hakan Yandash... Uh... On, on the verge of a breakout season, really. Uh, already scored a really nice goal against Besiktas too, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, early in the season. And uh, he's just been uh, very good for Sivaspor, and they're having a good season start, and uh, they're at the top of the table. In the next match day, which is going to be in two weeks, of course, they will be playing Galsrai, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, let's move over to the next match, Besiktas against Alanya Sport. This match ending 2-0 to Besiktas. Um, finally a win for Besiktas. It's only their second in the season so far, following their 3-0 win over Gustepe at Vodafone Park. Goals here coming from Burak Yilmaz in the 52nd minute from the penalty spot and from Abdullah Diaby in the 69th minute scoring his first goal for the club on an assist from Burak Yilmaz, by the way. But a couple of minutes before that, there was a penalty shout for Alanya Spor, which... I was personally baffled by that it wasn't given. I think it was a very obvious handball. Uh, I, I asked around and showed it to a couple of people who know a little bit more about the EFAP rules. Um, I didn't get a reply. So I, I honestly don't know why that would not have gone to VAR because for me that was quite obvious that that should have gone to VAR. Um, apart from that, I really felt like uh, this was a typical big big team against a small team match where one team is kind of uh, playing good football, the other one is trying to uh, hit the other one on the counter. Uh, the only thing is that the roles were kind of reversed here, where Besiktas kind of seemingly were praying a little bit to hit Alanyaspor on the counter. And I really felt like Alanyaspor were playing some brilliant football at times and, and really showing their quality. Uh, and I don't think the, the, the scoreline is a fair reflection of of them really um, don't get me wrong I think Besiktas played a good game Jana Erkin in particular had a fantastic match I think he won like 9 out of 9 potential duels had like 7 successful tackles and uh, 2 uh, aerials won and he just was great defensively which we're not used to saying about him 
But I think the big talking point has to be that penalty for Alanya Spore because it's just a couple of minutes before that 2-0. Um, and in the final minutes we did see Alanya Spore putting up a fight, trying to get back in the match and really putting Karius to the test a couple of times, but they couldn't get past him. Um, I'm kind of having a deja vu right now, I don't know why. Uh, but yeah. The penalty for Besiktas, uh, Nkudu, the man creating chaos on the left, he had a good match too, cost him quite a little, couple, bit of problems. Uh, there were a couple of penalty shouts in the first half too, I think, for Besiktas then. Uh, also, Nkudu was involved in both of those. I think one was on Atiba, the other one was on Nkudu, but I think that might have been outside the box. The, the Atiba one, I don't remember exactly. But he was pretty good, uh, had a good one-on-one -on -one opportunity, great save by Marafona with his foot. Um, yeah, I think Besiktas played an okay match. Alanyaspor were, in my opinion, the better sides, quality-wise. And, yeah, the big talking point is that penalty. I think we can all agree that was a penalty, right? What did you think of that handball from Atiba? It hit his arm when he was, I don't know, swinging it back or yeah, whatever yeah, you did he, he, he kind of had his back to, the, uh, back to the ball, I think, but his arm was... Yeah, in, he was like running in, in and it was like... In an unnatural position, so mm. I guess it's fair enough. Yeah, what, did you think it was a... Were you surprised it didn't go to VAR, though, because it wasn't given? It should have gone to VAR, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it should have gone to VAR. Yeah. yeah. Jakub and Pat, I think you will both agree, too. Yeah, I agree. So, Besiktas uh, having a, a, a Murphy's Law season, but uh, on this day, they did not think did not go wrong for them in that case. Uh, the penalty for Besiktas, the fall on Nkudu, correct call. Jakub, gonna start with you. Um, yeah, it looked like a correct call. He stepped on his foot if I don't remember it wrong. So yeah, correct call. I also, um, uh, it, it throw back to like 10 minutes ago, I googled uh, the question about if you can, uh, mm. if, if, if the penalty is retaken. Um, if the penalty is retaken, it counts as a brand new penalty. Oh, so okay. you can change the kicker. Um, I, I found a really dubious uh, um, source. I don't know, <laughs> but the guy... The, the guy is, is supposedly a ref in the FA, FAI, the Irish League, so it's, it, it, okay. it is supposed to be correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to this match. Alanya Spore, apart from that position though, I think it was a pretty... The referee was... Uh, I felt like favoring Alanya a little bit, but um, yeah, a big, big, big decision that should have... Yeah, these things should yeah, not happen. Say, uh, we, we, we should say a uh, big Gitsmish Olsen as well to uh, Dorokan. Yeah. Dorokan, yeah. Dorokan uh, really sad. twisted his knee um, out for four, five, six months. Mm. And by the time he's fit again, I think his season will be pretty much over. And he was playing a very good match at right back. Uh, I actually yeah. prefer, prefer to see him there than I do in midfield. Um, yeah, had a very good game. He'll be out. Uh, Hanus Jakub will be out with a hamstring injury for a couple of weeks too. So will Nkudu. Uh, so Besiktas playing Ankara Gujun next in Ankara after the international break. So they might have to do without three players. So they did get three points, but they also lost three players for the next, uh, for, well, for the next game and then to come for the foreseeable future. Uh, but a very important win for Besiktas, of course. They had to get that confidence boost against Right now, I think the team that's playing the best football in the league, bar Trabzonspor, maybe. Um, Lionspor have been impressive. I think this is their first defeat. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised why it's their first defeat, because they, even in this match, I felt like they really showed some great stuff. Um, 
they're definitely going to be a difficult opponent for whoever thinks uh, of winning the title this season. They're going to have to get past these guys and, and they'll, uh, yeah, they'll give uh, everyone a run for the money, I feel like. Let's move over to the next one that was Gaziantep against Bashakshihir. This match ending 1-2 in favor of Bashakshihir who had completely missed their start of the season, just like Mishiktesh did. But they have had a little bit of a resurgence in the, late, in the recent weeks. They now have, uh, I believe, 7 points in their last 3 matches. Enzo Crivelli, very instrumental in that with 5 goals as well so far this season in 6 games. And he had 2 in this match. He got on the score sheet in the 13th minute, putting Bashakshihir 1-0 up on a Edim Vischa as they would say it on the commentary it was just a, a simple tap in Vischa just putting it right in front of him Guray Vural got sent off five minutes later through VAR um, I think that was a correct decision then Patrick Tumasi uh, capitalized on a blunder from Mert the goalkeeper and made it 1-1 in the 24th minute but in the 71st minute Enzo Crivelli scored his fifth of the season and made it 1-2 again it was Edin Vizca supplying him with the assist and Bashakshihir getting the win against a tough team but obviously playing against 10 men for more than 70 minutes. Uh, Uzar, quickly your thoughts on this match please. Yeah it's this 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 game was all about Enzo Crivelli. Um, it's been a great signing for for, for Bashakshir, the 24-year-old Frenchman. Now, just looking into his background, he was actually um, so he's a former France under-21 player, and he was actually the top scorer at the Toulon tournament in 2015 as well. So he has a he has a decent uh, pedigree, and uh, it's a really really good signing for for Bashakshir. He looks like a very um, very good player. It'll be interesting to see how he finishes the season. He's like you say, he's already got five goals. Yeah, um, and, and two of which have came, uh, one against Fenerbahce, one against Besiktas, so right, doing exactly, it in the, yeah. the big games too. And, and absolutely, and, and I, we, we didn't mention Bashakshi here at the start of the show on the European roundup, but um, they actually played pretty well. Um, yeah. And Vizca finally well, seems to have found his uh, footing. Uh, exactly, exactly, because he, the first month or so he looked pretty mm -hmm. off form, but he seems to be back in action now, back to his old, old stuff. Um, and for Bashakshi that means, of course, that they're playing fluid football again. So maybe even with the loss of uh, Emre Belezol, they can still still uh, keep that kind of dynamism in midfield if 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 Vizca can take the reins. It looks like he's, he's rising to the occasion. Um, Tomasi for for Gazicia here as well. I think he scored four goals now this season. He looks like a good yeah. good good uh, good player as well. Uh, although I'm not sure if Guraya's red was actually that fair. I thought I looked, I saw it a few times and I thought it went to VAR. Referee mm -hmm. was very hasty to give a red for that. I thought that was a yellow card would have been more appropriate. High boot again, I think. I think it was kind of a fact of, again, it was too high above the ankle again, I think. Maybe, yeah. It's very... Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Gazi played played some good football as well, but Basak definitely deserves three points. Gaziantep, we should say now, because they changed their name. They are no longer known as Gazi here. They are now Gaziantep Football Club, so we can just call them Gaziantep. makes it easier for us. Okay. But yeah, they've definitely been a good side and a difficult team to beat, I think. Apart from that opening match day against Fenerbahce, they've been very good in pretty much every match. Let's talk about the Travels Sport game then and finish up our last episode before the international break. Chaiku Rizespor, Travels Sport, the Black Sea. Derby ending 1-2 in very uh, emphatic fashion. Trabzonspor get the win here in the 23rd minute. Dario Melniak had put the host 1-0 up. In the 73rd minute Alexander Sorlov, uh, Uzer's favorite, scored the equalizer on an assist from uh, oh, was it... Um, 
Sorry? Storage. Storage, right. I knew I had to highlight the assist. Daniel Storage <laughs> gets his first assist in Turkey. And he also hit the crossbar a couple of minutes later. Would have been a spectacular goal. But in the 90th minute, Antonin Wakaeme clinches it for Trabzonspor with a with a fantastic finish, I felt like. And again, Surlot involved here. He headed it through. And I think even Sturridge was the one playing it into Surlot. I might be mistaken there. but uh, So Surlot gets a goal and an assist. Nwakaemi gets the, the, the critical winning goal. And before I give the mic to you, uh, Jakub, I just have to say, with all our teams struggling how they are, Galatasaray dropping points left and right, Fenerbahce dropping points quite frequently as well, and then Besiktas of course having an absolute dreadful start of the season, Bashakshi are starting to, their motor starts to get running here, but we have to say with Trabzonspor, with the setbacks that they have had, with the major injury to Abdulkadir Umur, who was, who was a key component of that team, probably next to Nwakaeme and Sosa, their most important player right now, or should have been right now and still to for them to play so convincingly i felt like they were the better team in this match um throughout they should have not been behind they had the better chances uh, I, I think it's, it's quite commendable i don't know how for example um a, a Besiktas would would perform if, if they lost one of their key players let's say buak got injured for the season i think there's Hello, yeah. I, I don't even want to think about it uh let's say fenerbahce lose emre or they lose muric you know it's it's such a crucial player, Abdul Qadir is even at that tender age, and, and still Trabzonspor are doing quite well without him. Uh, but Jakub, please your, your thoughts on the match. Um, before I'm uh, before I'm going to talk um, about the game, I just want to say um, rest in peace to Isaac Promise, our, our old uh, player that uh, passed away on the third of October from a from I think a heart attack at the age of like 32. Um, he was he was he was a big talent when he came to us. Didn't really perform that well, but you we always saw that he you know we had another goal, but it just didn't work out unfortunately. Um, but about the game, it's it, the the Czech Republic games are always are, are are always difficult. The away games are always difficult because um, typically in Karadeniz they they think about Trabzonspor as the big uh, big guy to defeat, you know, all the teams, uh, all the all, all the Black Sea teams like Samsun, like Giresun, uh, like Chaikurize are always trying their best uh, to play uh, to play their best game against Trabzonspor, you know. So uh, coming into this game, I was I was a, I was a bit afraid because these games are always really horrible to watch. And um, the moment I saw them getting on the pitch, I thought that you know, with with the unbelievably harsh rain. Mm -hmm. That um, I was really afraid that a couple of uh, a couple of our players are going to get injured. You know, we are already pretty in uh, injury-wise. We are already pretty much um, down on the rotation. You know, nobody nobody left on the rotation. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, for a second there, actually, I thought Sosa was going to send off because there was like a tackle where he collided with another player, and I was looking at, it, I was like. Eh. And then uh, yeah, it the was, ref it was, was it was a really hard game. Uh, yeah, and, definitely um, with the rain. Was... I, I do kind of feel that uh, you know I'm 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 not a big fan I'm not a big fan of Usain Gajek to start with. You know I'm mm -hmm. I don't think he's a good ref. He's 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 a the biased ref. Who is good? And um, I I don't think <laughs> yeah that's also a point. But he gave he gave Obi Mikel a, a yellow card in the sixth minute. That wasn't supposed to be a yellow card in my opinion. It was a, it, it should have been a yellow card. If it was like ten or fifteen minutes later. 
but that you know that that crippled the uh, Mikel yeah. for pretty much the whole game. You know, he played 84 minutes with a with a yellow card. Mm-hmm. Um, that started it. But I have to say, the first half, Kaikuriza was the was the much better team. You know, the clubs were have a lot of players that that like to have the ball on their feet. You know, and with the um, with the unbelievable rain, the whole game it was really difficult for players like Wakaeme or Sosa to you know show their parts. Um, you, you, I, I saw a couple of a uh, couple of passes from Sosa just fall flat because, because the moment they hit the, hit the pitch, they just stopped dead on the track. You know, um, the goal from Melnyak, just an unbelievable shot. You know, I don't think that uh, uh, Wujang could have done better. You know, the ball just swerved at the last second. Um, there was a little bit. I was a little bit afraid because uh, Novak Novak left the pitch on the 31st minute with an injury. Um, and Doan Erdogan, I didn't think that he played that big, that great of a game to, against Basel, so I was a little bit afraid that he would have done the same. Yeah, but a pretty he, decent match, though. Yeah, he, I, I liked him this game, so he had, he had a nice game. Um, but the biggest, the biggest thing for me was uh, was seeing was seeing uh, Obi Mikel, you know, just just keep getting better and better. Um, I'm normally a big fan of Hosseini, but Hosseini didn't have the greatest match, to be honest. I saw uh, Hussein Tukman, um, you know, fixing his errors a lot. Um, the first goal, finally, you know, uh, I, since 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 Sturridge came to I was, I'm, I'm, I'm just desperate to see a goal of his, you know. I'm always like, <laughs> okay, this is the match, this is the match. And he played a really good match, you know. You just see that he, he's a Premier League pro, pro, uh, proven player. And you can just see it every moment he touches the ball, you know. And he even said on Instagram that this he, he hasn't played in, in conditions like this before. So props to him for, you know, being in a weird situation, but still making the best of it. You'd expect the player who played in England for that long to have yeah, played in some with, rain, right? <laughs> yeah, with all the rain that's over there. But um, at the first goal, it was a great, it was a great pass by him. Mm-hmm. I remember that um, the, the game against Besiktas, um, what what Trabzus for regularly do after big games, they uh, you know if we win, we take a picture. The, the the squad takes a picture in the changing rooms. In the and, room, yeah. yeah, there was a little bit of promotion because Storage wasn't looking wait look, looking too happy, you know, in the picture, and people were a little bit of might have been a little bit pissed off because he played for like eight minutes or something. If I don't oh, remember it's wrong. Turkish yeah, fans. yeah, you know, it's kind of thing. But um, today, uh, after that game, there you see him smiling like, and he's showing like all his teeth. So I hope everything is going okay. <laughs> um, great pass uh, for the first goal. Sherlock's deadly in the, you know, he's, he's a big guy, but he's always he's, he's pretty nimble. That's what I like about him. Good header. Um, good header. Um, he had a, a surge at the kick that uh, had a shot that just hit the hit the post really hard from like. I bet you meters. cursed. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck!" You know, it's just like two <laughs> inches to the, just two inches down. It was, it was in. Yeah, you just need you him know? to get up the mark, maybe to to get him a confidence boost, and he might be uh, off to the races. You know, that's that's one of those things with those types of players. Once they get that first goal, it can go quickly. Um, yeah, I think I think, I think it's it's a little bit, you know, uh, it's a little bit difficult to play uh, to play start at the moment. Mm-hmm. Solis is doing pretty well. You can um, if you're on the right. You know, it's not his best position. He, he does play good, but you know, as a strike, so you, you just want him in. The, uh, I remember the game against Basel the, the, with the wonderful from uh, from from Abdul Kadir Farmak. I remember that he said to Farmak, like, just let me take it. And I think that, you know, 
always dangerous for a player like Sturridge to be on the ball. So I, as, as you said, the moment he gets one, I think it will, you know, it will, he will just pop up. Maybe you just um, have to play 5-3-2. Uh, I think you have good wing yeah. backs. Um, and, and with, with Abdulkadir out, I think playing 5-3-2 would make sense, of course. Where do you put Nwakaeme then? That's 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 the question. Yeah, I, I think the I think what you then do is just yeah the problem would be Nwakaeme because you have to place someone to put him there. Um, mm -hmm. But um, the second half of the game, I thought that uh, Trabzonspor was the better side. Um, yeah. Um, I really liked the, the like the like uh, the four uh, the like Oljan. Oljan had a really great game in my opinion from uh, from Chaiko He made he was really dangerous and I think that if the pitch was a little yeah. bit better. Um, he probably he probably would have scored a couple because he had he that one position but, where uh, I think uh, Doan Erdogan did really well to contain him. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, um, all in all, um, the second goal it was just like I, I was just about screaming in, in 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 the house. You know, I was I was really uh, really annoyed by uh, by by the pitch. But Wakeme um, just with a deadly finish. You Do know, you think he, that match should have been uh, postponed? Because of the rainfall, or was it still okay? I mean, this, the, it was weird because the center of the pitch looked good, but mm -hmm. the, but the sides of the pitch were horrible. The moment probably the ball slopes went, off a little bit. For yeah, I don't know, but the moment the, the, the moment the ball went a little bit to the side, the ball mm -hmm. just dropped. You know, mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't roll any further. So I think that. Um, and you saying Gecek was like, yeah, just fuck it, just let it play because um, it, it, <laughs> won't, it won't, it won't get any better. I don't want to have to come back uh, next week. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But okay. um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, finally, uh, Pinal Karaman, I, I, I am a little bit angry with him, like every week because he, his tactical knowledge is not the best. His, his subs are really soft, par some of the times. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I thought that putting. Uh, uh, what was his name? Camille on, on, on the right was a very was a very good move because yeah, he, he essentially he placed two fullbacks to mark Nkudu and Nkudu was very ineffective in that match and I think that's one of the few games in which Nkudu really hasn't uh, been able to at least uh, I'm not saying going to say shine because like I said before he doesn't really have much end product but he causes so much trouble for for most teams with his speed just that speed is just. It, it creates chaos. Even if he's not having a good game, he's, he's gonna cause problems and that's going to afford other players opportunities. And I, I felt like that was a very good move by uh, by him. I don't know if he, he intended it that way. Maybe it was just dumb luck. But <laughs> looking at the, the lineup before the match, that's the first thing that popped into my head. It's like, yeah, that's how they're gonna take Nkudu out of the match. And it was pretty effective. So I don't know if his tactical prowess is that bad. Um, yeah, he's not that experienced as a coach at this level, so maybe he needs a little bit of time, but at least he's gutsy. He, uh, he, he, yeah. He gaat out van Egekracht. How should I put yeah. that? <laughs> but that's a big yeah. thing for Trabzonspor, especially because I feel like that's kind of been an issue for them in recent you know, years. You know, the, the, big, the biggest thing that, uh, that you know, Karaman has, did, has, has done to this team is um, he, he gave everyone confidence, you know? Mm -hmm. He he, he 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 brought the team to a point that they're just fighting to the death for him. You know, the, every every time the, the team is really focused, you know, they're always really prepared. And normally the problem with Trotsky is the moment they concede a goal, they just you know they're like just fuck it, this won't this won't end well. You know, we'll lose. That's but, now. Yeah, 
pretty much a lot of Turkish teams have that, but um, you know, Kalaman has, has kept the team, you know, morally, uh, like mentally, they are really strong. And games like this, like if, if you told me, uh, if you told me this, if, if I watched this game like two years ago, I was like, the moment the first goal went in, like, okay, this is going mm-hmm. down there like 4 0. But, like, but you saw the team just pick up, just go for it. Um, at the end of the game, they, they went to the fans and uh, they And they didn't I, panic, which is important no. too. They kept yeah, playing their game until the last minutes and they eventually found that winner, which I think uh, it's kind of like, like Besiktas, the first season or, or even the second season under, maybe even more so the second season under uh, under Gunesh, where they kept playing their game, even if it was a 90th minute, they were confident in the fact that we'd, they would get that win. And something we've seen a lot with Galatasaray too, where they keep playing their game, they don't panic. And that's, yeah, I think it's a great sign of, of a coach who has the players' uh, confidence and who, who has got confident players to, to, to play for him too, like you say. I mean, I, I saw, because uh, uh, I saw at the end of the game, when, uh, you know, the game ended and uh, the, the, the players went to the, went to the, uh, the fans that uh, went uh, all the way to Riza. Mm-hmm. And uh, the camera really captured the moment. Yeah, it's like it's like 200 kilometers. It's not it's not that far, but you know, still. Um, you saw like Obi Mikel the moment the second goal went in. Obi Mikel, you know, hugging Sosa. Um, the moment the first goal went in, Sosa and uh, Sosa and Abdul Qadir going to Sturridge and hugging him. You know, the the team is really is really close to each other, and it it, it pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, they, they they made like a whole line of the line of players, and they went to the crowd, and uh, you know they they did their sliding thing, and you know that's 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 the stuff that I want to see. Um, even though you, you could you could play a bad game, but uh, you still have to fight it for the game. You know you shouldn't mm-hmm. have you shouldn't give up the moment that you know you're down at all. And this team has shown that even though. We have a lot of you know youngsters in the team. Uh, the, the the experienced players that we have, the veterans, are you know just just holding players up and just continuing the fight the whole game. You know, um, as a big fan of Sosa, I love the guy, and you you can just see that he's the guy that like, come on, come on, come on, fight, fight, fight. You know, I hope, I hope we just give him just give him a contract with a with a with an empty uh, empty empty line on uh, how much he wants. Just sign him. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm really a fan of you know Sosa is a player that doesn't have uh, it, that doesn't depend on his face you know he uh, he's the yeah, kind of guy that that depends on his vision mm-hmm. and generally people that uh, players that are like that even though they age they don't really lose that ability you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah but uh, father time catches up to everyone yeah, yeah we, we we saw that with uh, with Selchuk. <laughs> i know that uh, i know that our god try uh, yeah that's weird because he's a similar team. player right that doesn't rely too heavily on his on his uh, maybe he relies more on stamina but so does Soso, by the way um, yeah. but he doesn't rely on pace either and he is more of a passer but he i i was i'm surprised too by the decline that Selchuk has had the last year or or tree, but I, I kind of feel like he's been declining for for longer than that. Uh, like he's been going downhill uh, for longer than that. But uh, anyway, let's not talk about uh, Selchuk now. Uh, anything left to say about this match, uh, Jakub? Or can nah. we put a bow great. around it? Okay, great game, uh, great team. Pat, any any observations on this match, or shall we head into the standings? Should we head into the standings? See how the things have lined up after that interesting week. 
Yeah, let's do so. Uh, so at the top of the table are still Alanya Spore with 14 points, and then we have a bunch of teams, uh, three in fact, who are on 12 points, including Siva Spore, Trabzon Spore, and Konya Spore. Then we have Fenerbahce just below that with 11 points, and we have a couple more teams on 11 points there too, including uh, Istanbul Basakci here, Antalya Spore, of course, who uh, beat Fenerbahce this weekend, and also Gaziantep uh, Football Club, as I should say, um, and then Gal. Galatasaray are currently in 10th position with 10 points, Besiktas with their win have uh, eked out of the relegation zone now, they have 8 points and are in 12th position. The bottom 3, let's quickly look at that, we have Kaiseri Spore dead bottom with 3 points, the same amount as against Sherbali, and then we have Kasim Pasha on 7 points, but there's a couple, uh, there's one, there's another team on 7 points there, um, I think. No, no, actually, no, it's Riza Spore on 8, so, uh, yeah, mainly Kaiseri Spore and Gensherberly who are having major struggles, and uh, as we did mention, Kaiseri having some changes right now with their chairman resigning, uh, coaching change and stuff like that too, I think. There's one more thing I forgot to mention, uh, did you guys see uh, Samudika get a yellow card? Um, the way he was, I think he like pushed uh, one of the opposition players or something, he was really very volatile early on in the match and he's a very combustible figure um, let's head over to the fixtures for within two weeks because of course we have the international break in which Turkey will play Albania at home and they will travel away to France so two crucial games if Turkey can get a win against Albania it will be a huge move uh, towards qualification for the Euros and of course France that's gonna be tough but we beat them once before so you never know but uh, let's head into the Super League match day 8 fixtures which is of course in two weeks time on Friday we have Galatasaray hosting Sivaspor then on Saturday we have Antalya Spor against Sherberli, Trabzonspor, Gaziantep, Football Club, Başakşehir, Göztepe and Ankara Gücü Beşiktaş. On Sunday we have Kayseri Spor, Kasim Pasha, Al Alanya Spor, Rize Spor, Denizli Spor, Fenerbahce is the main event. And then Monday we have Konya Spor, Malatya Spor. That's it for match day 8 uh, fixtures and of course our discussion on the match day 7 results. Pat, thank you very much once again for filling in for Burak. Thank you Jakub for joining us too. And of course thank you to Uzar who has already left because he only has an hour. Uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of Football a la Turca. And we'll see you again probably in the middle of the international break with a quick uh, roundup of the international matches. Um, and of course with episode 8 in two weeks when we cover match day 8 of the Turkish Super League. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye.